We're talking about the book of Romans uh, this season of summer. We talked about it uh, really already. This is the fifth week. We have four more weeks left. Uh, the first few weeks, we were simply set a stage for uh, what Romans is about. We can't cover every chapter, of course, or every verse, but we can cover a little bit of it. And our focus is going to be the next few weeks, uh, we already begun that, on Romans chapter 12 only. Uh, five sermons in a row talking about what that means about discipleship. Before I talk more about that, though, I want to mention something that I saw in the bulletin this morning. I don't always read it ahead of time, but I did today uh, to find out what's happening. And we have Mansfield Senior Citizens Day. To be able to be part of that, you have to be at least 55 or older. Now, I'm not going to tell you if I am in that category or not. You probably can guess. Please don't guess if your neighbor is or isn't in that category. But I thought there are other things you could call that besides Senior Citizens Day. I think you could call that Experienced Citizens Day would be a better term. Our Wise Citizens Day could be a term. Our People with Larger Numbers on Their Driver's License Day could also be used. Anything but Senior Citizens Day. And my wife would say, let's go do that. No, it's called Senior Citizens Day. I don't care what they've got on the bus, where they're feeding you, where they're taking you. I ain't going if it's called Senior Citizens Day. <laughs> have to change the name to something else. So there, there you have no my agenda this morning. Now back to Romans. Chapter 5, I'm chapter 12, of verse 2. And an illustration. Uh, two weekends ago, uh, two weeks ago, got a chance to work with our young people in our church. I worked with the middle school team on Mission Week. Had 200 people doing that, and I had about eight on my team. We went to a home to work in the yard because they had done, the folks there were unable to work in their own yard. And through the years, it had deteriorated to really be an awful, awful situation. It was untended, and so it had become what the environment is and was. It had become that through the years. It had poison ivy throughout the yard, probably poison oak as well. It had uh, uh, hackberry trees growing up on the fence row. Uh, it had mulberry trees going up in the fence row. It had weeds in the backyard, probably two feet high. Well, little grass that had been there was also probably about a foot and a half high. It had really deteriorated, simply becoming what the environment was. No one tended it. No one paid attention to it. Uh, it was being ignored. And so it become what the environment was. Probably not the way your yard is or mine. I have an intent for my yard. I want it to look a certain way. And so I plant certain shrubs, uh, certain flowers, uh, have it taken care of it a certain way. Uh, I really direct what I want my yard to look like. And so it's not that look like what the environment looks like. Instead, it looks like what I want. I want flowers here. I want, a, I want a shrub there. We have a little vegetable garden maybe in the corner sometime. And we do that each year as you do as well. Now, as I say that, I'm going to read this verse again that Dennis read so well. Not with his same deep, booming voice, but the best I got. So hear that. Do not conform to the pattern or environment the world has around you. Instead, be transformed be intentional about God's work in you. By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans has already talked about for us the word saved. The message series title this week, this, this series is Saved to be a Disciple. We talked about saved. That means Jesus come into my heart, 
Give me my sin, I accept your loving grace, and that's it. It's a gift of God. God gives us the saved part. He gives us salvation. He grants us eternal life. It's God's gift to you and me. But being a disciple, which is a follower of Jesus Christ, now that's hard work. We have to do that. That's our task to do in partnership with God, His Holy Spirit, His directing word in the life and example and teaching of Jesus Christ. And simply how it's supposed to work. Now, with all that said, we have to make a decision today, and that is, what is the best life? Is Jesus right that he lived the best life? That what he teaches describes the best life? That the Bible, in all its word, orders the best life? That this is true for you and me? If it is, then we ought to be aiming toward that life as defined, described, example taught to us by Jesus Christ, which is discipleship. And discipleship is following Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Now, to receive that life, we have to live that life. Now, hear me very carefully with that. The abundant life is not something that we get. It's something that we do. We live that life ordered by Scripture, taught by Jesus, informed by the salvation He gives us, and certainly inspired and directed by the Holy Spirit. Again, that is discipleship, what we're called to do, live, and be the best life. Now, I'm going to read the same verse one more time out of the New American Standard Version of, of 12.2. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. So now we move toward that truth that God gives us. Now what I'm going to share next is really a compilation of several things. My thoughts and ideas, thoughts and ideas from a man named, uh, a Christian writer named Kokenauer, and also George Barna. So again, a compilation of things. Some are quotes, some are from me, and I'm putting it together, uh, taking a lot of information and boiling it down to about five minutes. And so bear with me as I do that. And I love George Barn. I've said that before. He is a, really a Christian statistician. And so he simply looks at people in our world, uh, asks them questions, and brings those back to you and me. So in other words, it's a fact. We can't argue with the facts. Here's what people say about the Christian life, their journey in faith. Here's how we understand our environment, how we respond to that environment, and choose to live the Christian life around the directing and teaching of Jesus Christ. So here's one of the things that's said, again, a compilation, so bear with me on that one. The enemy of America, and Christian America, I might say, is not terrorism or African viruses. It is the moral degradation and spiritual complacency of Americans. In essence, it is the willingness of Americans to become victims of the imposition of values and objectives that defy the common good that defy the best life, that go against the best life. That means that the environment we live in, American culture, offers to us values and objectives that too many Christians buy into. And here's how he makes that claim that that is true. Uh, he did a thorough research on what he calls the born-agains. Uh, in his terminology, that means those who have said, Jesus, come into my heart, I believe in you, forgive me my sins, I accept you. That's a born again. That's not a disciple. 
A disciple is someone who has done that and also chooses to follow Christ in all his teachings. Now, again, accepting Christ is easy. Following Christ is hard. So that's what he's saying to us here in this idea. And then we add to that, he says, American Christians are too willing, born-agains, to have a pursuit of cheap grace. And that's a Dietrich Bonhoeffer term who uh, wrote uh, before World War II and during World War II, gave his life fighting the Nazi cause as a Christian in Nazi Germany. He talked about cheap grace. So too many people do that and that they have this sense. Uh, and, and the writer says, this fits Americans all too snugly. That means, I love you, God, but I'm not going to live for you. Jesus, forgive me of my sin, but I don't want to work too hard to serve you. That's what he's saying by the idea of cheap grace, and that's a real rough paraphrase of what that really means. He says in, uh, to, to affirm this idea, he says that in recent years, the number of born-agains have actually increased. There are more people saying, I believe in Jesus today, than ever have said so in America. You might find that hard to believe, but that's true. More saying, I have invited Christ into my heart than ever have said that before. I believe in Jesus more than ever said it. I've been saved, as our title series says, by Christ more than ever said it before. And yet in that same time frame, worship attendance has actually declined in America. Bible reading has declined in America. Volunteering has declined in America at the very same time. While the idea of accepting Christ is growing and believing in God is growing, deciding, again, deciding for discipleship and following Jesus Christ is actually declining. And Barna says this is critical information for the church to know. And we add to that some more things that were said. That Americans are the poorest on earth when it comes to spiritual wealth, all the while proclaiming how spiritual they are. Now, that's not me saying that. That's simply a survey. That's a response, and that's the sense of, are you with me, on the environment that you and I live in. Uh, untended, that yard became like the environment. It just kind of grew up, and there's poison ivy. There's a, some copperheads in that wood pile. You know, there's these trees that are just tearing up a, a, this fence row, and all that's happening. Instead of the intentionality like I have in my yard where I've got the, the shrubs that I want and the, and the bushes that I want and the, and the flowers that I want and the, and the grass cut the way that I want. This is what I choose and what I want here in this place. It goes on to say, too many Americans value the wrong kind of wealth and trust the wrong kind of resources. It leaves them unprepared, I would say, for the reality of being human, which is... My human state says, I'm in trouble without God. That's reality, really. I'm in, I'm in bad straits without God in my life. I need God more than anything or anyone else. The writer says, here's his claim, which I agree with. We just have too much stinking wealth. Keeps us at a dangerous level of comfort. Typically till a crisis, we don't call upon God the level that we need to. That's what he says. So what's the environment that we create for ourselves for our faith to grow? We sometimes just don't see the need to surrender to Christ. The song that's sung, and Kylie, that was a beautiful, beautiful song to hear her sing that, to surrender to Christ. We don't see the need. I'm able to take care of myself. 
We, we, it's easier to conform to the world that I live in that offers so much because it does. There is so much that I can see and so many objectives that I can strive for, so many values that I can make part of my life that, that may maybe make my life easier than it is to say I'm going to follow Christ when that calls for personal sacrifice. Picking up your cross and following me, Jesus said, forgiving people I don't want to forgive and having my time ordered by my belief in Christ instead of my belief in the things that I enjoy. It's a different way of looking at life. And here's the point I need you to hear. If we attempt to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ without faith, we will fail. We must choose Christ. We must make that choice. When I go to a restaurant, uh, I like a sit-down restaurant. Ron and I talk about that sometime. I want to be able to go to the menu. I want that, and I pick it. I want that. When I buy a car, I do the research online, try to figure out the best car. It's going to be the most reliable, get the best gas mileage. Ron and I sometimes have different feelings about what that needs to be and what our car should look like. So she drives the car she wants, and I drive the car that I want. That works for us. But we choose. That's what I want. That's what I want. Do we really want to choose Christ? Really? Want to choose a crucified Lord and Savior? Choose someone who gave his life for the poorest of his world? Choose to live a way where we have to love God and our neighbor in every respect? Choose to live by the Beatitudes? Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who give and serve and love and bless those around. Do we really want that? Pastor David said in his sermon last week that often people in our culture live this way. They choose a life that is about maximizing pleasure and minimizing gain. And that is the cultural, I believe, the environmental value and objective of what our culture is about. That people don't realize they bought into that theme of the world that you and I live in today where the highest goal for me is to maximize my pleasure and to minimize any pain I might have. Which is not at all what Jesus talked about and we know that. And so we choose this different kind of life. Instead of the, we, we choose a life where I want to conform to the world I live in, an overwhelming message of accountability to myself. Unless I'm accountable to, me, I'm accountable to me and what I want and like, I'm okay. Instead of what Jesus taught and the word here in Romans says, transformed, which is an overwhelming message of accountability to God. An overwhelming message of accountability to God. God, I choose accountability to you over accountability to me. Choose accountability, the way of life that Christ examples teaches and offers me and the Bible orders for me, I choose that way of life over the way of life, my environment would say I need to live and should live and should choose. It's a different way of understanding discipleship after we accept Christ and salvation that he gives us. Okay, the second point here is, if we don't intentionally follow Christ and commit to live the way he teaches Whatever culture we live in will own us. We must choose the way of Christ. Are you with me on the theme we've been talking about? We choose Christ. We also choose his way, his way of teaching. In fact, the Bible tells us that in Antioch in the first century, 
Christians were first called people of the way there. At first, they were simply people who believed in this Jesus person. And they became people of the way, this way of life so uniquely different from the way of life of the pagan Roman world. And then they became what was called Christians, which meant little Christ. These people live like this Jesus person they believe in. That's how they were known. That's how they understood who they were and their own identity and how people also saw that same identity in the choices and sacrifices they made that were so uniquely different from the culture they lived in as they ordered their life in that unique, very special way. Their values and objectives changed. Their definition of a successful life changed by their encounter with Jesus Christ and their commitment to live His way. Now, we all know something about, about diets. We kind of become what our, our diet is. And when I was a kid growing up, the diet that I learned and all my generation and previous to me learned was eat everything on your plate. That was it. There was no other diet. It wasn't eat this or that or the other. You might say vegetables, whatever else. But in the end, it was you better eat everything on your plate. That's it. Eat it all. doesn't matter what. Today, we've learned that diets really are a huge part of our health, and so we try to be better with our diets. Most of us do. I'm better some days than I am other days. But I want to tell you how unfair this whole thing is. I think it's unfair about the, 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 yard, the yard. If I don't do anything in my yard, it just grows up bad. That doesn't seem fair. I've got to work to make it be nice. That's not fair. That's the way it is. Same way here. I go to a restaurant for breakfast. I open the menu, and there it is, biscuits and gravy, sausage, bacon, and pancakes. Uh, there it is, and you can list the things offered for breakfast. Where is the healthy stuff on this thing? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, right back there in that corner, right there. There it is. There, there's, the, uh, there's the omelet, the white, the, the white uh, uh, the omelet uh, with, 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 without the egg yolks in it. Uh, there's the omelet with the spinach. There's the omelet with, you know, that's, that's the, where that is, you know. And so you've got to hunt for that. It's so hard to find the, the healthy stuff on these menus, you know. And I don't want to find it anyway. You know, I don't even want to look for it. I, I hope it's not there. So I could just go for it, well, let, just today. Just to, are you with me on that? Okay. That is what it's like being a Christian in America. There's all this, one, two, three, and it keeps on going. There's this tremendous wealth. When I say wealth, I mean the opportunity to do so many things and experience so many things and have so many things. And, and, and Oh, here's the Christian life. Here's this life of sacrifice, this life of self-denial, this life of giving and serving and volunteering and helping, this life of worship, this life of, and you know what I'm talking about with that kind of life. It's hard to live that life, and we must learn how to live that. Now, I'm going to read this same uh, verse one more time out of the Message Bible. Almost done today, but out of the Message Bible. It's a little longer translation, and it's also a very accurate translation of the same text, 12 too, so please hear it. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking, which is many of us in many respects. Instead, fix your attention on God. You know, one of the things that our church does, and we talk about it often in leadership, and we'll say, we've got to do this because Jesus said do it. We may not want to do it. may not want to spend the money on it. 
It may not even benefit the church when it comes to how many folks come to our church, but we said we've got to do it anyway because Jesus says do it. And so we're gonna, we want to fund these uh, three uh, uh, nurses and gone to Liberia because we think that we should do that, you know, because we fix our attention on God and it ends up being in a Liberian mission. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of maturity, God brings out the best out of you, the best life. Developing well-formed maturity in you, the best life. So let's go back to my original questions this morning. Do we believe the Bible is right about what the best life is? That's what we got to really decide. Is it right? Do I really agree with those words in Romans and uh, these directions in Galatians and these, these ideas in Corinthians and Ephesians. Do, do, is Jesus know, does Jesus know what he's talking about? The Beatitudes, love God and be merciful and, 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 and serve others and help and blessed are the poor and the meek. And is he right about that? Do I, do I agree that Jesus is God and this world is right? Do I, do I believe those things? Is, is he right in how he lived his life? The choices that he made as he served those are in his picking up a cross literally and dying. Was he right about that or was he just all wrong? Do I, do I think he is right? Is he my Savior and my Lord? Is he both those things for me? That his teaching and example, the word discipleship is what I should choose to follow that leads to the best life. So I would say choose Christ and choose his way. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words you give us today, and you know the world we live in, God. It's not easy for us. We are overwhelmed by the values and objectives that our culture puts before us all day, every day. Sometimes, God, it is hard, plain hard to see what you really want for us and from us and in us and through us. But God, that's really what we want. We do believe in you, God. Believe that your Christ is your son and his way of life is the best way of life. Help us, God, to see that, to begin to live that way, to be conformed not to the world we live in, but be transformed by the good news of Christ in our hearts and our lives. So we pray in Jesus' name, amen.